0: Hi, you're listening to the second episode of Anything We Want. Once again, we'll chat at the end and just get straight into the interview for now. So, my guest today is Anthony, who came to talk to us about inclusion and accessibility. I hope you enjoy this episode. love it if you could start by introducing yourself so that everybody listening knows who you are what you do and maybe introduce the topic that we're going to talk about today
1: absolutely thank you Excel. Uh, my name is anthony Frizina. i am from hamilton ontario canada i am the founder of a brand called above and beyond bridging the gap to accessibility and inclusion i am one of over 15 percent of people over one billion people worldwide that represent the disability community. I am an author, actor, speaker, coach, and consultant when it comes to accessibility and inclusion. And that that's not just with the disability community, it's with the non-disabled community as well because we really need to work together to create collective prosperity.
0: Yeah, of course. And it's really impressive to see the amount of people that make up the disabled community and yet, so many things are missing to make everything accessible and inclusive.
1: Absolutely. We make up 15% of the population worldwide. Over 1 billion people identify as members of the disability community. And we need to really work together. We need to work with the non-disabled community. We are the largest minority group represented as well. And like I said, we really need to work together with uh, our communities where we live as, uh, as allies to create that accessibility awareness and inclusion to create the collective prosperity to show that where there's a win for accessibility and inclusion there's a win for everybody and that really does need to be uh, showcased on a more extensive level.
0: Of course yeah working on being inclusive is just opening the door to inclusivity on all scales and for all different needs all different causes. So it's really teaching people to open their eyes and their hearts and be willing to make an effort for someone else or listen to someone else, especially. The communication around it and the education is really important.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, disability is not only visible. Disability is invisible as well. Uh, Just because you talk to a person doesn't mean they don't have a hidden visibility or an invisible disability as well that they may not wanna acknowledge at the time. And we really need to look at focusing our governments, our businesses, our communities proactively so that inclusion gets to a point where it's, it's second nature in, um, where we don't have to continually have the conversations on accessibility, on inclusion, because it just naturally flows.
0: Yeah, it should just be a given for people to think about inclusivity and accessibility when building something new, creating an event, or organizing something. It should just be, yeah, second nature to all of us. Uh, it should already be, but hopefully in the near future, that's the point we get to.
1: That's the goal. That's the mission. That's the vision. Uh, we're not there yet. One of the quotes that I like to say in my uh, speaking events is that I don't tell perfection I celebrate progression and we need to continually progress uh I don't think accessibility and inclusion will ever be perfect but as long as we progress and we build momentum together without procrastinating we will get to the point where um it does become second nature
0: yeah exactly and I I really like that quote I think it's a it's a really great way to say it so is it's is education communicating about um, accessibility and inclusion? Is that your how to say that uh, the, the main the main thing about accessibility and inclusion? Because you know there's people actively writing laws or writing to lawmakers. There's people building solutions. There's people doing education with younger children. There's people doing you know speaking for their community. What is if if you would say you seem to have a very diverse um, diverse roles, but what would be the main things that you do as far as inclusion and accessibility?
1: Well, I speak to various organizations on employment for people with disabilities, on including people with disabilities, on making a business accessible, making a community accessible. You know, I work with kids with disabilities to understand the value of their worth. As a kid, that was such an important uh, avenue for me to learn that I belonged because I went to this camp as a kid with dis- with a disability, where it was a it was a camp that included people with disabilities. It wasn't just a camp for people with disabilities, and it allowed me to gain the confidence to know that I belonged, and that really amplified and resonated with me to. To where i am today uh i started i hosted a tv show locally in hamilton called above and beyond and that's really how the brand and the name got started and it garnered so much respect within the community and people started recognizing not necessarily me but they started recognizing the up op- we have here you know another thing another quote that i use um is that in life there are no problems, only solutions waiting to be found. And we need to take that proactive approach and identify the solution to a problem rather than exacerbating a problem by talking about it and making it worse without identifying what the appropriate solution is for that problem. And when it comes to kids, kids understanding and understanding the value of their worth at a young age is so important. You know, kids, I volunteer in an organization with kids with disabilities so that I can be that source for them that I can be that mentor for them so that they don't have to go go through the struggles that I went through as a kid with a disability so that they can see the value of inclusion, the value of being the best version of themselves is really the be all end all of how they uh, should lead their lives.
0: Yeah, it's really, it seems like it's fuel for solutions that you're doing because you're inspiring people to, for people, um, for children, you were saying to know their worth and they will be strong enough to push change when they grow up and as they're growing up because they feel they're allowed to and then everybody else around them can feel inspired by that, can feel inspired by people like you who speak uh, to so many different publics. Uh, You mentioned children, but you're also an advocate like for within the community, you said you you had a, a show locally?
1: Yeah, the show is called Above and Beyond. I just finished uh, a third season remotely and I've been doing segments on local news, and, uh, media uh, representation to really talk about access and inclusion from a solutions approach. No wants right. to talk about a problem without a solution. You know, you just, you're, you're exacerbating the problem. You're amplifying the problem rather than coming up with a solution. And, and really, I think that's where uh, we need to be more outside of the box thinkers when it comes to disability inclusion. You know, one of the uh, articles that I coined was a, a disability inclusion revolution. And really that speaks to the point of not necessarily just the disability community, but the community at large working together, as you talked about, uh, helping one another be the best version of ourselves. You know, we can't perceive the negative in a person with disability. We need to look at the opportunities, making our employment spaces accessible, making a person with a disability employable, allowing a person with a disability to access a commercial building, Uh, independently with integrity and respect and dignity. We need to look at making our communities more accessible. Uh, Parks, recreation, um, streets, sidewalks. You know, when we we see something in a sidewalk or road that has a, a divot to it or, you know, a broken piece of cement or a broken piece of asphalt, we need to be proactive in repairing that because that not only impacts the disability community that impacts anybody who accesses that area because of a of a hazard based
0: yeah exactly it's a lot of a lot of things uh, intertwine I'm, i was thinking about um issues i hear about a lot is around where i live it seems to it seems that a lot of buildings and even streets are not accessible um because they're just all broken up or just way too small or the access to the metro is only stairs and and that made like articles and and conversations come up recently where a lot of anti-homeless architecture is actually also affecting people who walk with aids or use wheelchairs and also for people who have issues walking in general even if they don't use an aid because they're making like the ground they're making sure that somebody cannot lay down on the floor and so they're like just make this treat absolutely dangerous
1: really it's about the problem is when it comes to getting to that next level is the the lack of education that's out there the right um, the attitudinal barriers that we face the the monetary value that comes with making something accessible you know it's it reminds me of that old cliche that if you build it, they will come. Well, if you're not accessible, we won't come. That's the problem. And you wanna be able to benefit 100% of our population. And you do that by engaging the disability community in these conversations. You can't just come up with a piece of literature or a legislation or a policy or a document that is just made on a premise based on the fact that a person with a disability is a liability when in fact we are, we are an asset to our communities and we need to put that and honor that as value and the monetary investment in that will come to fruition in spades later on because of the uh, value that it represents
0: it seems like sometimes people just are not even trying to see how doing things differently than we're currently doing them, which is not accessible to everyone, can actually be just as good, beneficial and better just because always oh, we've always done it that way and that's it. But we can think further than that, especially if we involve more people instead of always the same people having the same conversations and not including anyone it's actually about.
1: You're exactly right, uh, including people with disabilities, including those with lived experience of disability, will only benefit the, uh, the community at large. And oftentimes that gets misrepresented in ways which are discriminatory or ableist. And, and that's really the, the culture change or the mindset shift that we need to undertake together so that we can ensure that anybody can go anywhere at any time the way they so choose to go.
0: Yeah, we just it's it's opening options for everyone to think outside the box and find solutions. And I really like your approach in solutions because it's true that sometimes it it feels like people are powerless. If we're having conversations that are very global and don't offer any solutions, the public's kind of like well, okay, what do we do though? Like we can't, I can't make up a solution on, on my own and they're not seeing the power of community and of finding those solutions together. Because if we're talking about the problem at large on such a big scale with no vision of what could possibly be in the future be, like beyond the problem itself with the solutions, it's it, it seems overwhelming and people don't realize they have a voice and a power to change things but they absolutely do.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things, speaking to what uh, I just spoke about earlier, is regards to the barriers. You know, people don't seem uh, enthusiastic in wanting to make that change because of the monetary aspect that goes along with it. When in reality, 90% of accommodations for a person with a disability to be employed is $500 or less. And for a large corporation, $500 is simply a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And when we look at it from that point of view, when we look at it from the perspective of that we're allowing change to happen because we are making those changes uh, genuinely, authentically, and organically to include the disability community. We talk about the importance of equity, diversity, and inclusion in our communities worldwide, but the, there's one piece missing the access piece of it. Access is typically hidden under the equity umbrella. And so the goal of Above and Beyond and what I do is simply to extrapolate the access pillar and reform the EDI conversation to the acronym IDEA, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. Each and every one of those has an equal value and equal importance to creating that collective prosperity, to creating a world where that is accessible for everybody. Because we don't wanna leave anybody out. We want everybody to live their our best lives. We want everybody to live the lives that they wanna live. And we do that by evoking each and every one of those pillars that I just spoke about authentically and organically by including the disability community in conversations. So we're doing it right from the proactive approach, rather than having to retrofit, which costs more.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, um it looks like a big process, but it needs to be started is the first step. And I feel like having conversations and educating people is what starts little conversations in smaller communities, and then it grows and grows and grows. And that's when you can really have power. And so I'm curious to, if you have examples of initiatives you've seen or uh, taken part in that have made a space or an event or something more accessible that could inspire people to demand that accessibility for themselves or for somebody else around them.
1: Absolutely, so we created Marydale Park which is Ontario's first fully accessible park and recreational facility. We look at accessibility from a proactive approach. We allow persons with disabilities to take part in events equally uh, with respect and dignity and independence. But the support is there as needed. We have accessible play pads. We have accessible swimming pools, heated pools, uh, play pads, basketball courts, indoor gaming facilities. And we did that over a 10 year plan to create that environment so that kids with disabilities can enjoy life the way anybody else would and not have their disability be a detriment to who they are rather than a uh, asset to who they are and who they can become in the future. There's also this organization called the Forward Movement. It's called the uh, Accessible Icon Project in the United States. But it's taking the wheelchair symbol of a stagnant person who sits in a wheelchair and alters it to the point where that individual is propelling the wheelchair forward. And it's not meant to denote the wheelchair, it's meant to evoke the culture change and the action regarding the changes that need to be made uh, to promote accessibility and inclusion. And I continue to sit on many boards here locally. I continue to speak worldwide like I'm speaking to you today in France about the importance of accessibility and inclusion, but it doesn't work with just me alone. It works with people like you, Excel, helping to amplify the message in your community, helping to uh, spread the word that access is for everybody, inclusion benefits everybody. If I'm able to get through the same door that you can, Excel, it's a win. It's a win for everybody. If I can be a part of the same conversation that you can be a part of, it's a win. If my voice is heard, that's a win because we're putting our collective head to creating and cultivating that change because change is necessary. A mindset shift is necessary to, to working together. As I said earlier, we are the, the largest minority group. And our voices need to be heard. We can no longer be gatekept by a community that dispels the uh, importance of accessibility and inclusion.
0: Absolutely. And I don't know if I'm simply noticing them more because, you know, a few years ago, it's still too much of a kid to notice conversations about anything like political or inclusive or anything like that. But I'm seeing more and more conversations about accessibility and inclusion and noticing more and more that things I thought seemed accessible are actually not. So I've been a student for a few years and um, it's, it's so, sort of like dorms. Let's just say it's dorms, it's a bit different, but they have like a certain number of what they call accessible dorms. Mm-hmm. But that, that means that if since I don't live in one, my friends couldn't come up if they couldn't come up the stairs or like they can come to my dorm, but if they need to go wash their hands, my shower has a step. You can't go wash your hands. It's like, you're thinking, oh, this is inclusive because they're having like a a set number that they have to have say at least 10 dorms on that floor that are considered accessible. But then it's, it's like, if, if you have 11 students that year, then what, then what do you do? because not the whole space have been, think, not everything was thought around accessibility. It's like the park you described, it's as if they had like one playground that's accessible instead of all of them. They can't all play, all the kids can play together because there's only one space that the kids who need the accessibility features of that playground can access. And I'm only noticing that more recently because there's more conversation or I'm noticing more the conversations that were already taking place and so, I was, I was really glad that you reached out with your topic because I think starting off my podcast with topics I found that important was a, is a, a great way to start it.
1: Well, congratulations and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. And you make a great point. Why not build those dorms all accessible so uh, anybody can go anywhere at any time. You're taking away the dignity and the respect of somebody when something is not accessible. If you build every single dorm, as you just spoke about, accessible, then it's a win for everybody. Inclusion means everybody. And just because something may be deemed, quote, unquote, an accessible feature doesn't mean it's not a benefit for somebody who doesn't necessarily require accessibility. For example, technology has played a huge uh, part of my life. Like, I'm able to voice activate a lot of uh things in my condo whether it be my lights whether it be my thermostat whether it be my uh, my vacuum everything is voice activated and that's a benefit you know even uh, I have a cat even his cat box is automated as well as is his food and his water fountain like automation and technology has really come a long way but the problem is uh, technology, is very much custom to which it adds value to the cost where many people with disabilities live at or below the poverty line. And really that that shift in price really is the equity of the disability community.
0: Yeah, it needs to be more I guess we can already do so much with technology. There's probably a lot of people that technology can already fix pretty much everything they need to make their home entirely accessible, depending on what are their needs. But the technology itself isn't accessible yet, which seems to be what what we could as a society be working on now, since the technology itself can probably already be made. We can do so many things. We can go to space. So we can probably make a lot of things way more accessible than there already are. We just need to make the technology itself, make it to people's homes and to make places it more of affordable. work. And yeah, exactly.
1: Make it more affordable. That's the, that's the a sticking point to those with disabilities who can't necessarily afford that technology.
0: Yeah, because it's probably, um, it's it's a good example of how things are interconnected and uh, minorities are more often than not part of several minorities. And so solutions that are thought by people who are part of none of those minorities just can't even start to, to imagine all the issues that one single person can face because of all the different um, uh, oppressions or discriminations or disadvantages that their communities have. All intertwining with each other as you said like a lot of technology does exist but a lot of people in the disabled community are also low income and in difficult financial situations they can't get the technology even though it's technically there it's not it's not where they need it to be
1: right and we need to be more visible in our communities we need to be more proactive in our communities to fostering than much-needed change. Um, you know, we need to build more allyships together. We need to be more communicative together. We need to include people with disabilities in part of the processes rather than fixing the mistakes. And that's mm-hmm. really where this needs to go.
0: Yeah, exactly. Are there things, I'm sure in all important and serious Uh, battles and causes that people each care about there's always the positive when something works out when someone is inspired by by what you do and so I want to know about the things that you you love about when you speak when you organize things when you participate uh, sit on boards to talk to people things that just keep inspiring you and keep moving you in your work
1: absolutely I love people first and foremost I'm very much an extrovert and when I got the opportunity to start the show in 2016, I was very grateful because I really started recognizing my purpose and the value that I have in who I am and what I do to dictate to the community why this is so important that we talk about this, but not only talking about it, but it needs to shift to an awareness to, to action and then to change. So when I started the show in 2016 uh, and I've just completed three seasons that, you know, it was really resonating with people. It was giving people with disabilities a voice, but it was also giving a voice to those who are not disabled, who were recognizing the fact that they were leaving so many people out with their their government and their business, whether community. So it did foster a lot of action, and to change. And then it resonated to me authoring a book. I authored a book on my my memoir related to my life story, how I've overcome challenges, the approaches that I take, and, and how I live my life, you know, very genuinely, very authentically, very purposefully. And speaking now has become a lot of virtual events, and really a virtual event and an event that we're doing this today, uh, and as you're in France, and I'm in Canada, has made the accessible world even more accessible, because we're able to reach audiences uh, internationally, to spread our message to spread our value. I've also been involved in acting because I wanted to represent the disability community in roles authentically and genuinely, rather than having an able-bodied person play the role of somebody who is disabled. I've seen that happen and that's so disingenuous and that's really a quote-unquote spit in the face of a person with a disability. So I wanted to bring that importance, the importance of media representation, the importance of representation of people with disabilities authentically and genuinely uh, within media, within ads within commercials within TV and then just kind of coaching along the way and being a consultant on how to genuinely get a organization, a company, a community surpassing uh, their next level by genuinely giving the organization a toolkit to – be their best version of access and inclusion
0: i love that you do so much and in, in so many diverse ways for to spread that message and to make it work and yeah it's just it's just always inspiring to see people who have so many oh, can can i translate that expression in english so many hats you know you have the consultant yes, hat absolutely. you have the you have the the show hat you have the author hat and all of those are just different ways to spread your message and I just I, I really like that that sort of um it's it feels really creative and really inspired and you're also reaching people who are touched by different sort of media and different sort of conversations because somebody might, might be better at taking in information from a book someone from a show someone from like hearing you speak at on a, on a board that they're attending for their job and you're just touching so many different people who can then go on and inspire their own groups.
1: And and that's how change happens. When you, when you have a conversation with somebody who takes that information organically and spreads that message to somebody else who then spreads that message to somebody else who then spreads that message to somebody else and change happens. But you know they say that if it ain't broke don't fix it we were meant to believe for the longest time that it wasn't broken when it in fact it is mm-hmm. and knowing that now uh, genuinely and authentically that it is broken it's not a quote unquote one person job to fix it it is a community it is a city it is a town it is a province, it is a state, it is a country, all working together to fix this problem, to fix the lack of accessibility and look at it proactively rather than reactively. Take members of the disability community in your in your city, in your town, in your province, in your state and have a focus group Listen to what the changes need to be made and don't hesitate. Make the changes and be mindful of those changes. And when something needs a repair, that you're doing it on demand. You're not doing it when you have the funds. that Because otherwise you're depriving and discriminating against that person who can't go from point A to point B because of a broken system. And that's really the point that we need to get across today.
0: Absolutely. And even if it starts small, if it's five people at first who care, then they might each spread the word to five other people and then five others. And it just keeps growing.
1: It, It does. And eventually, conversation needs to lead to awareness, awareness to change, and change to opportunity. You know, I, I answer questions all the time and questions leads to answer, answers to conversation, conversation to understanding and understanding to less ignorance. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, I'm open and I'm here listening to my community around me. Um, and I show up. I have a routine. I show up with respect and integrity and dignity to my community. And my community in turn respects me back because of the way that I show up. And we really need to have that happen on a more larger scale so that we can really bring about that much needed change.
0: Yeah, totally. I think spreading the word like you do on so many different platforms is just exactly what's going to inspire people to, to bring change and to be, to be the active power in their communities.
1: And I hope that this message really resonates with your audience and they're free to contact me at any point in time. I can leave you my contact information, my email address, my website, uh, any uh direct links to my book to any of my shows my socials that anybody wants to reach out to me because this is how change happens when we continue to have the conversation and when others can look to this conversation that we're having today and help create awareness in their community to create that change
0: yeah absolutely what are those platforms that people can find you on i'll also put everything you give me in the description but if people can
1: yeah, can my website is just www.anthonyfrazina.ca My uh my book is available on Amazon. It's called Above and Beyond Anthony Frazina. Uh I'm available on Instagram at Above and Beyond Media. On Facebook as Anthony Frazina, above and beyond, on Twitter at above beyond for you, and that's the number for you, and just the letter U. So I'm very present on all those social media platforms because what I believe in what I do, the clock doesn't end at five o'clock. The clock doesn't end at 4 30. I don't stop and start my business. My business is 24-7-365. It is a lifestyle. It is a dream come true for me to be able to get that message out there. So I truly appreciate this opportunity with you, Excel, and I appreciate the time and I appreciate getting this message out there because it's so important that we get this message out there that to cultivate that change.
0: It is really important. And I thank you so much for bringing it to the podcast because that's the only way I can spread that message is having someone who knows what they're talking about on to, to do it. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.
0: Thank you again so much, Anthony, for coming on this episode and having this really great conversation. I didn't think I was going to have topics that feel more serious at the beginning of the podcast. I knew I was going to get to them eventually, but I was planning on waiting to be more comfortable interviewing so that I could do those topics justice. It feels a little bit awkward interviewing someone about something that, you know, aims to change the way things are in society, something really that feels so important, and being just zero confident in my interviewing skills and feeling like I might miss out on such important questions or just not do it justice, but Anthony made it really easy to have this conversation, so I think, I think it went well. I hope that is something that opens conversations on your end as well. Also, because this podcast is constantly going to need guests, I want to say I might turn some topics away for now because I'm not sure about how to interview people about those topics or maybe i'm not comfortable platforming them yet without knowing more about them i don't know it's just some topics might not be for now you don't have to be an expert to be on the podcast i just wanted to throw that out here because i'm always going to need guests and i don't want to scare anyone away from suggesting a topic just because you're like yeah i just really like this thing perfect perfect bring it Let's talk about it. That's exactly what I want. It feels a little weird, maybe, to include both serious topics about society and how to change it, and this random thought I had this morning in the same podcast, but that's what it's about, I think. You know, it's just, it's anything we want, so. Unrelated the frequency at which I will be posting episodes, it feels a little slow to post every other week compared to the speed at which we all consume media, but I don't think I can do it any faster, because I'm transcribing every episode. I also think because of the whole editing and transcribing situation, I might have shorter episodes. This one was way shorter than the one with Eleanor. I think some conversations are just going to be shorter. I think as I improve my interviewing skills, first of all, because with Eleanor, I think I edited it in a way you couldn't really notice, but I asked the same question twice. So as I get better and don't do this kind of thing, conversations might get shorter. But if we're really getting into a topic, and if I know about the subject, I kind of tend to have conversations by relating back to what the person said. So if I do know about the topic, then the episode might be longer. But for this episode, this is where I'm ending it. So again, everywhere you can find Anthony and his work will be in the episode description. As well as all the links and social media for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you at the next one, or in the meantime, somewhere on Instagram or TikTok, hopefully. Have a great day, have a great week, and see you next time!